0: Hello and welcome to Braveheart Conversations,
1: where we learn the art of love through brave and compassionate conversations. I'm Jillian Aurora, and I'm Marie Wallace, and we are your hosts today. Thank you for joining us today for Braveheart Conversations. Um, I hope you guys are all having a phenomenal day. We're a little bit late. Today, uh, generally we're in the morning, so every Thursday morning you can catch us on live in our Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash groups slash Braveheart Conversations. And so welcome today, Braveheart Conversations, I'm Jillian Aurora, and this is my co-host Marie Wallace. And uh, today... We are gonna be talking about a really difficult topic. I'm sure this is not a surprise to anyone right now at this point, it's a big issue in our country. We're gonna be talking about racism and specifically our own racism and what we can do to be part of this solution, how we can honor um, all lives, which all lives means all lives don't matter Intel, Black Lives Also Matter, so that is what we're going to be talking about today. Um, I do want to recognize whatever platform you are joining us on. We are on iTunes and Spotify and Podbean, so wherever wherever you're listening, thank you for joining us. Um, okay, so I want to jump right in. We uh, talked a little bit about some specific bullet points that we can we can do to be part of the solution. Um, I know that a lot of us have really especially as white people we have felt um helpless i know for me that has come up a lot like what do i do i recognize there's some systemic problems i recognize that i've been part of the problem subconsciously i recognize that culturally we have we have some issues so i wanted to um just address today after I have, you know, kind of processed what can I do, especially like I live in a really uh, white community. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes there's, there's different areas of growth and opportunities of growth for different areas. And I know specifically for being in Idaho, I live in a really white area. And so sometimes it's easy to think, well, there's not a lot of diversity here, so what can I do? Right while also recognizing that being in a really white community means that there's more embedded uh, racism and privilege that I just don't even I don't even know I don't even acknowledge um, one of the things being that I can check out a Facebook and turn off the news and life is just hunky-dory and normal and ignore it yeah. and I don't have to deal with um I don't have to deal with violence or suspicion or um, feeling like I'm in danger. I don't have to really deal with those things because uh, I can just shut it out and it can be unpleasant and I'll just turn off the TV. But there are a lot of people in our country who can't do that. They can't just choose not to participate. So And our silence is complicit Mm mm-hmm yeah and that's been very that's been very confronting to me as well being a mediator uh, neutrality has been a big value of mine and so it has been interesting to explore where that is not a good thing right Um, sometimes um, even though it creates conflict it's better to stand in my truth And that is uncomfortable for everyone, but it also is part of breaking the pattern. Mm -hmm. So before we delve into some of these solutions um, and action steps, Marie, do you have anything to share with the group before we jump into that?
0: Just know that that I feel that it's just as important for me to speak up and out and to to check my own biases in this conversation and to educate myself as much as possible um, so that I can be more of the solution than the problem. That's really where I'm at with this conversation. And um, yeah, we're gonna clunk around a little bit and um, just know that our heart is is there and trying to figure out ways that we can be more helpful in this conversation.
1: Yeah, and I love that point too, like we're going to be messy. Uh, The thing is, I think for white people especially, we need to hear that um, it's okay to do it messy. It's better to have the conversations and do it messy rather than just being silent and scared to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially, you know, for us, we live in an area where there's some very entrenched political views and so it can feel really scary to speak up. Yeah. But that's actually the most important times to speak up, is, is to actually get curious and confront some of the beliefs that maybe we've just assumed. And to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It's okay for us to be uncomfortable. We should be uncomfortable. Yeah. And others have dealt with being uncomfortable for a really long time. So it's okay for us to be uncomfortable.
1: Absolutely. All right, so I'm going to jump in with our first bullet point. So first, I'm just going to explain a little bit about um, my journey of processing, how I came up with these solutions and my own reflection. So what I did is I tried to draw a bridge where I felt I could have some empathy and feeling oppressed. So as a woman, and I'm not at all saying that my experience was the same or equal to um, someone of color. It's not. It's different. But it was my way of drawing a bridge. So I talk a lot about sexism. That's part of, you know, goddess coaching. I, I really love empowering women and really helping them find their voice. And so for me, that was an easy bridge to talk about racism or to think about racism. So I thought about how I really like for men to show up as advocates when we're talking about sexism, because in some ways it's similar to racism, like um, we had a long history of oppression and abuse. There was a long history of supremacy and there's still a lot of lingering elements of uh, suppression and supremacy, male supremacy. And so, um, I found some ways that I was like, you know, this is how I feel heard and advocated for by men. So I drew those parallels, how I could show up as those things. So the first one I wrote down is I want to be heard. I don't want men to show up as defensive. Um, and I don't want, I don't want people to tell me that It doesn't matter because that trauma happened a long time ago or it's not as bad. So this is a really big one, just listening, listening non-defensively. So when we hear someone talk about their wounds, either their um, generational family wounds or their current wounds, we get to just listen without defensiveness or judgment about what they've experienced
0: it's also it's it's devaluing to them and and acting as if their experience doesn't matter. So it is important to be that conduit and that ear for people and so that they they can express where they come from and that it is they we're valuing them and their experience.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's very important not to devalidate. I think that's what that was the word does. I was looking for yeah. We, you know, we really need to just listen, and even those active listening skills, repeating back, you know, oh, I'm hearing that you experienced this. That must have been really
0: rough. Or um, am I? Am I, did I come close to hearing what you said? Because sometimes when we're actively listening, we might miss it. We have to give them the opportunity to correct us if, by some reason, something that we said wasn't what they were trying to express Mm
1: -hmm. so yeah and there's nothing wrong with all of us have had different experiences so i don't have to fully know what Mm -hmm. marie's experience is when i hear her but what is really honoring is when i clarify and i ask questions about what she's experienced with an open mind and curiosity instead Mm -hmm. of saying like why i experienced this so it must be the same for you so it's just not the way that we are um, so that's the first one, is really hearing, really listening, and being quiet as we hear someone And honoring. Else's.
0: It's honoring to listen to another
1: person's journey, mm-hmm. they feel seen and heard. Yeah. Um, the next one is, I want to be seen as a human being, not an object. I want people to advi- admire my mind, ideas, heart, and passion, instead of just my body or resources to consume. And I know as a woman that can often feel like I don't want people to just see me as my body as a sex mm-hmm. object um, That's different obviously for a race. I think that many times they're seen as labor resources mm-hmm. um, Going all the way back to when when white people enslaved them, right? We were consuming their resources mm-hmm. their labor and so Seeing them as a human being, who they are, not just their appearance, not just what um, their families were, what their past was, what they can give us. (laughs) Right, but genuinely seeing them for who they are um, is really important. Um, I want to be seen as my own source of empowerment, not as needing a savior. And this is such a big one. Um, I know as a woman, I hate it when men say that they are empowering women by being so nice and by telling women how beautiful they are. and all. Or taking things. care of us. <laughs> and that's not empowering. Actually, it's, it's disempowering. Um, what is empowering is believing, having confidence that we are going to empower ourselves, that we are the source of our empowerment. We have all the power we need without somebody else telling us we have it. Um, and we don't need another person's validation for that either. Right. Yeah. And so um, this one is also, I think, very convicting to white people, very confronting, is we don't need to be uh, people of color's savior. They don't need us to be their savior. Um, this is their fight, and we can advocate for them how they choose. They want us to help if they want help. Mm-hmm. and we get to just be confident and believe they got this mm-hmm. like they do not need us and I think that this this can be a dangerous territory when we think we're saving the world by you know being um, in charity work for people of color or um, you probably saw this in the education field at times you know the white teacher is going to go in and save the yeah. the um, school or whatever the narrative is we often see ourselves as saviors and that's actually very disempowering. Mm-hmm. Um so really giving people space um to break out of oppression and give them whatever they're saying they want, but not ever trying to play that savior role as if they need you. Well them being every anyone
0: being able to break out of their own oppression is going to be a lot more empowering than any any kind of Um, thing that we could ever help with because usually we're not very helpful when we're um, supportive yes um, but to to help in the ways that sometimes we think we are and I think what I want to reiterate what you said because I've seen a lot of this out there um, in in public right recently is I want to help by I'm just going to use some examples I've heard lately. I'm going to make sure they all know they should vote. So I'm going to go do this. I'm going to make sure they all know that they should be at this rally, or be at this thing, or say this thing, or do, no one's asked for that help. Um, then we we shouldn't be there. We can offer our help. And, and like you said, um, if someone asks us for help or gives us a suggestion then then we can be supportive in that way us deciding how someone should handle something no and this goes to the sexist issue too you know unless we ask for help, we 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 would be far more empowered by you supporting us and 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 being in that role of support versus saying what we need to do—it's just not empowering.
1: One is a hijacking. There you go. One hijack. A <laughs> um, I want men to care enough to get educated about their own mm. subconscious fucked-up patriarchal programming. So that the way this applies to me and racism, in context to racism, is I get to be educated about um, the racism that I have. Been subconsciously brought up in and um, if you believe in um, ancestral DNA and like mm-hmm. the programming that we were literally born with we have a lot of healing to do and hundreds of years of healing yeah um, this is this is a really big one so I know that my ancestors being white probably were not very nice to people of color um, that's just a reality, and I was brought up with that programming. I grew up in a society that had subconscious beliefs. It wasn't that long ago that you know it was just in the '60s that we had the civil rights movement and some big changes there. But like we not have enough. not had yeah, it's it's pretty recent history. This is not a long time ago, and so it's really kind of ignorant. us to believe that racism is just gone now Mm -hmm. Um, well it's systemic it's so deeply entrenched in
0: everything that we just get to educate ourselves in a lot of ways and that includes educating ourselves mm -hmm. about ourselves where is my bias where where am I Uh, do I have an unconscious bias and how can I bring light to that so through reading through journaling whatever way I need to 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 figure out where my biases are I think that's what my responsibility in this particular state is Mm -hmm.
1: yeah so you know there's a lot of great literature out there there's a lot of just discussion happening right now Mm -hmm. that's helpful um I I was on a call the other day that was really helpful that there were like 200 people on the call just talking about white privilege and like just having these conversations, you may or may not agree with everything, which that's part of the growth process. You're mm-hmm. going to do it messy. Um, it's better not to just shut down any of the thoughts of resistance that come mm-hmm. up. Speak them so that you can grow and learn. That's the way that we change these beliefs and the way that we learn about other other people and how we break the cycle. So. Which we probably wouldn't be here
0: today in the in a better situation as women than we were 50 years ago if those conversations hadn't have happened. So just know it's part of the process and it was pretty messy and
1: mm-hmm. you know
0: we have to be very grateful that are there were plenty of people out there that did start having those conversations.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think there's so much that we subconsciously just walk into, just like, you know, I think of men who think they're being helpful, but then they say something like, um, oh, I take care of my woman.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's very irritating. (laughs) I don't Um, need to be taken care of.
1: Yeah, and it's really funny because I I know that that has been said with a good heart, but it's still a sexist Mm -hmm. belief. And so this is the type of programming that I'm talking about that um, we don't think is harmful, um, but it actually has some really devastating effects. Mm -hmm. And so just like I can see that clearly in a man who says that, there's also people of color who get to call me out on things that I say that I'm totally oblivious to. And that doesn't make me a bad person, that doesn't make you a bad person, that just means we have learning to do. And so I think we get to discharge any any beliefs around this, like, well, I can't be racist because that makes me a bad person. Yeah. No, we're all in this healing process and it's okay to admit that we have areas of growth and healing to mm-hmm.
0: do. While also at the same time not blaming because it's not a it's not a blame game. It's it's a learning game, it's a growing game. It's It's seeking understanding and honoring people
1: all over. Mm -hmm. Yep, honor is the name of the game. Um, The next one is, I want to be defended when I'm not present. And this one applies very deeply to me now, because like I said before, I live in a very white community. So literally, almost all of my life is lived um, when people of color are not there to be defended. Yeah. So, that means when I hear flippant comments or people who just say things... jokes. Yeah.
0: That anything that's offensive. Mm-hmm.
1: And, um... Beautiful. As I was reading, um, in, um, White Fragility, um, one thing that came up was that idea that, um, um, now I just lost my train of thought, um,
0: which if you haven't read the book, it's a really good book to really educate you on your biases.
1: It really is. Um, gosh, I had an, an idea about... That was stated in that book that was... oh, well, anyway, I'll come back to it. Apparently, I wasn't meant to It'll say it. will show up. Um, what were we talking about right before then? Our technology's down everywhere. It is, apparently.
0: <laughs> 2 p.m. is not a good time. <laughs> um... Anyway, we were talking about um, like a, to for someone to defend us in, in in times when we're not when we're not present or the mm-hmm. person being oppressed is not present.
1: yeah, so I get to have conversations all the time with people who are yeah, people are not there to defend themselves oh that's I remember now um, so people who may make jokes that are sexist or or um, racist, but this would apply to either one. Um, very often, we would say something like, um, well, that person's really a good person. If you knew them, you'd know, you know, you know, he didn't really mean anything by that. And this is a way of us showing our white solidarity um, that, again, like racist equals bad and non-racist equals good, when actually, like that actually does a lot of damage um, because then it, being complicit. it blocks us from owning anything that might be racist and I find this to be true in in so many areas where we've divided people into good and bad um, and I just don't think that's the case we're very complex and so um, I may have a good heart and I may still harm a lot of people I still have wounds to heal I still have shadows that doesn't make me a bad person that just means I have some wounds to heal and um, The same thing with, you know, when I look at people who say, oh, that's a good person, and then we view them like they can't be hurtful, they can't do anything wrong, or bad people that, you know, they do, they're monsters and they do everything bad. Well, so in the example of, and I might trigger some people here, but the officer that did the murdering that we are all up in arms about, that was a horrible act people that know of some great things he did yeah i bet um he was a good friend to someone um and on the flip side george floyd he is also not a perfect person so we get to acknowledge that there's complexity in in everyone and everything so we're not saying like racism equals um bad people bad people and yeah it's it's So much more complicated than that. So when we see a good person say something that is sexist or racist, it's very tempting to just say, oh, you know, I'm just going to write it off. They don't really mean it. it. It's not that big of a deal. It actually is a really big deal because that is what perpetuates sexism and racism. Well, there's
0: no accountability for that person at all. Mm -hmm. And they'll just keep perpetuating that. Mm -hmm. comment or those thoughts or those beliefs because in sometimes in those underlying thoughts there's something in there that they believe right or yeah it's not it's not good
1: (laughs) yep yeah so we get to acknowledge um even our good friends sometimes say things they shouldn't Um and we get to challenge that and and Which we we want to be be yeah, I was gonna
0: say we need to be challenged too. So if you hear me say something I shouldn't because I know I have some really great friends out there who will tell me like it is and I appreciate
1: that Mm -hmm. because I can't be better without that feedback. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um I want men to speak up publicly about fucked up norms like entitlement, violence and attempts to control or suppress. And so this is a role I get to play with in terms of racism. So I get to speak up publicly. And sometimes this one makes me shake in my boots a little bit, especially if you find yourself in a dynamic where you are uh, surrounded by the majority of people who are um, in a category that doesn't want to hear Black Lives Mm -hmm. Matter, doesn't want to hear about racism, is predominantly white. Speaking up takes courage, um, but that's how I want people to show up for me, and so that's how I get to show up for other people. Is we get to call out those norms, we get to call out um, racial profiling, we get to call out um, violence, we get to call out police brutality, all of those things we get to call out, and not just behind closed doors, um, not just in our minds, not just to our friends who agree. Yeah. But publicly. It's super
0: hard. Well, that's super hard. Yeah. But it's worth it.
1: Absolutely. Um, and then the last one is I want men to be leaders in male groups where my voice does not carry. And this is where this also applies to me. I get to speak up in white groups where black voices don't carry. Right and I'm in that, I'm in that pool. So, um, we're gonna do that messy, like we said at the beginning, but this is our responsibility. Just like we want other people to show up for us, um, and we want, we want, in the groups that we don't really hold any real identity or recognition, we still want to be uh, advocated for. Yeah. So, um, anyway, those are the action steps that came up for me based on just building that empathetic bridge of what I wanted, how I want other people to show up for me, and that's the same responsibility I get to, to show up and have.
0: That's a really good way that we can look at it. How, how would you want someone to show up for you? I think that's a perfect bridge question, is for me to take a moment to think about... Um, and to really reflect I mean that's a deep reflection and not just a one-time thing it's a constant evolving thing is how do I want someone to show up for me in this moment in this situation because I think that's what's going to be most informative which brings you back to you know the golden rule right Mm -hmm. (laughs) treat others the way you want to be treated and I think we think we might be treating others in a way that's Equitable and it, it's usually not so really look at our deeper motivations for doing things.
1: I think it really requires curiosity and it requires you know if I put myself in their shoes and maybe I'm the one that has been oppressed or um, Has kind of gotten the short end of the stick now and has had deep 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 trauma in the past How would I feel?
0: hmm
1: How would I feel and? Um, that's I mean empathy is always the bridge and, yeah an element that's so important is um, understanding where the other person is coming from
0: well, and I want to go back to what you really quickly because I know it's time to wrap up was going back to the part where if you do go there and you do find that you've you've been horrible in some situations and you've made some mistakes it's never too late and you're not a bad person. You just sometimes don't know what you don't know. But now that you do know, that's when when the when you're really responsible, that's where personal you know, responsibility comes into action is
1: that is such a phenomenal point. I'm so glad that you brought that up because um I know in another book that I was reading that point came up about why men are often silent mm-hmm. is because they have said a sexist comment or maybe they grabbed a girl's ass or something or you know they did something they know is wrong and so they can't really like betray themselves mm-hmm. in their past because there's some guilt there and I think that's true for some of us as well. Mm-hmm. You know how many of us have, you know, laughed at a racist joke or thought it wasn't a big deal. Or you know aligned ourselves to things that maybe are confusing to us now or um, or they there's some sort of guilt so there's no bad time to upgrade your like your experience and your beliefs it's okay to shift and change so even if you have participated in things that maybe you just subconsciously were really unaware of. You didn't understand the damage it was doing. I know for me, this is a lot to do with neutrality and silence. I saw neutrality as a really good thing. And it, and it can be, I'm a mediator. That's yeah. Obviously there's some value in that. That's you're
0: trying to get to.
1: <laughs> so, but there are times when, when silence and, um, and holding back is not the best Um, avenue and it actually can create harm so i get to own that and i I get to upgrade my thoughts and beliefs so it's okay to upgrade our thoughts and beliefs it's okay to have been um, misinformed or um you know having had some bad behavior in the past unacceptable behavior that's okay it's part of growth so anyway there's my soapbox pretty we did pretty good um, unfortunately, we like we don't have a lot of. I mean, we could probably pull in.
0: I know a lot of people that don't live here that we could have conversations on a Zoom with, or something. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, we'll, our format would look differently, but I agree, it's definitely a a conversation we need to have.
1: And just so you know, too, this is traditionally not a show that we bring on guests. Yeah. Not that we couldn't do that, but generally, it's Marie and I talking, so I do think that there is a lot of value just like in white fragility, white people talking to white people about white privilege. And that's what my intention is today, so.
0: Yeah, and by no means, this is just like, this is just an entry of a
1: conversation because there's so many more conversations we need to have. Absolutely, yeah, and these are all just my ideas. This is not at all an end all be all list of solutions. Um, I don't hold that kind of authority or knowledge. This is just my messy conversation. Um, I hope that we can be an example of people also having messy conversations and they're not going to do it right. And they're going to call people in the middle of (laughs) lives. (laughs) whatever it's going to happen. We're going to do it messy. So anyway, um, I appreciate all of you having this conversation with us and being here and, um, please message me any of your questions or comments or challenges at defytheaverage at gmail.com. You can also reach Marie. Marie at mariesgold.com. And again, you can join us on our Facebook group at facebook.com groups slash braveheartconversations. You can start discussions there or view past videos and join us for lives each week. So with that, we'll go ahead and close up. I apologize. We went over a little bit, but we will see you again next week. And we hope that you have a very blessed week. Thank you. Bye-bye.